Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways you could save. The pick is in. And the best podcast ever is about to take place. Wow. Day mm. after the NFL draft. At least round one of are the we NFL sure, draft. Though? Well, Mike, are we, are we'll we sure it's going to be the best one? Because we were just talking before the show that we had a you know, maybe a little bit of a hard time sleeping last night. Yeah, a did. lot of adrenaline after the draft. I was up till 1.30 just scrolling through my phone because I couldn't fall asleep. So... I don't know about you guys, but I'm uh, I'm I'm mostly here. Yeah. I was so watching press conferences in bed last right. night, trying to see more about these prospects on my the new team. So yeah, right. man, yeah. I, we were all up pretty late last I night. I want to talk about the Lions at some point. We're going to focus in on the players that are fantasy relevant. One of which is a Detroit Lion or a new Detroit Lion. But I do want to talk about the Lions at some point. Remind me to, to empty the the clip on that tape because I actually thought the Lions deserve less criticism than they seem to be receiving yes. this morning. Um, but round one of the draft is now over. There's still six more rounds to go. We're taping this Friday at 11.15 a.m. So something takes place prior to round two. We haven't accounted for it. That is the reason why. And I think it's imp- it's particularly important to note that news could happen because just before the draft yesterday, mm-hmm. legit news did happen. Lamar Jackson signed a five-year extension to stay with the Baltimore Ravens. So five years, including this year, puts him all the way through the 2027 season. And I, what does it mean for fantasy, Mike? Here's the other thing I would say is that like it eliminates the possibility of Lamar not being available for the Ravens because of a contract dispute during some point this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, check this out. Last season, his efficiency was poor, right? Career low in yards per pass attempt, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't have a great skill guys around him. Guys, he was still fifth in fantasy points per game was at it 18.2, quarterback. Was 18.2, right? Right, yeah. right. He In that situation. And now he's gone from maybe his worst set of skill guys around him to maybe his best, right? You have a healthy J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards in the backfield. They bring in Odell Beckham Jr. You have year three now of Rashad Bateman. We're going to get to Zay Flowers shortly. They drafted him last night, not to mention some fellow named Mark Andrews at the mm-hmm. tight end position. Suddenly, this has gone from a shaky-looking skill group to a pretty formidable one if they stay healthy and develop as expected. So I'm really excited for him. If he has a, a better, a good passing season on top of what he does with his legs, this could be one of Lamar Jackson's best fantasy seasons. Plus a healthy running back in J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards should be healthy as well. Both those guys coming off of major knee injuries last year, Daniel. And an offensive line that was beat up for a lot of last year as well. Things to be things seem to be shaping up to the point that I'm wondering, as we introduce our top tier of quarterbacks, how much credence would you give to the idea that when we're talking about Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, that we also need to include Lamar Jackson in that conversation. I think now you got to consider it quite a bit more with the skill position players that they have added throughout the offseason, right? And everything about Lamar Jackson is him being able to stay healthy, stay in the field because he does so much with his legs. If he can add a little bit this year with all of those skill position guys that we just added, it's going to be a totally different world, I feel like. The one thing I will say this <clears throat> has nothing to do with fantasy field, but after looking at the contracts about Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, are the Kansas City Chiefs just like the master of the quarterback contract, locking up Patrick Mahomes to a 10-year deal? Here's the lesson learned. I'm actually glad you asked that. And in some ways, it's not pertinent to fantasy football. But it's the offseason. We can talk about this. The lesson that I think teams around the NFL should be learning from this offseason is that when you have a quarterback who is eligible for an extension in the same offseason in which there are several others also eligible for an extension, 
Be the first. Start yes. the run. Be That's the first right. mover. Because <laughs> what's going to happen is this. Jalen Hurts is at $51 million per year. Lamar's at $52 million per year. By the end of this offseason, Jalen Hurts will probably have gone from highest paid quarterback ever to like fifth highest paid <laughs> quarterback ever. And I get it. $51 million is still a ton of money for Philly to pay any player, even one that's deserving of it, like Jalen Hurts. But if they had waited and didn't get that deal done until the end of training camp, it might be a $55 million per year extension right. for Jalen Hurts just because Joe Burrow got one done and Justin Herbert got one done yep. and perhaps somebody else also gets another extension. So that's the lesson learned here is uh, do a deal as soon as possible with your quarterback because we have also learned that even if that quarterback contract doesn't work out, they could be traded. Jared Goff got traded, mm-hmm. and he's been really good for the Lions, obviously. Carson Wentz got traded twice. Like, mm-hmm. you can find your way out of Aaron a bad Rogers quarterback has contract. A huge cap hit. Yes, uh, he Aaron got Rodgers. Traded. Yes, Aaron Rodgers was traded. So you can find a way to move a quarterback contract. Um, so, uh, Lamar, last thing I'll say about Lamar is, and this is like vibes, I don't know, it should be a, a, a criteria that we talk about a lot with uh, fantasy value. But last year, Baltimore Ravens and Lamar were at odds. Uh, it was a weird season in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. The tenor has changed dramatically. Mm. This is not a team that's going to be walking on eggshells every single day throughout the facility wondering, is Lamar going to be here next year? Lamar doesn't have to worry about his future anymore. Lamar is going to be as motivated as ever to be the player that we saw earlier on in his career. So I think there are reasons to believe that that bounce back is heading its way in Baltimore especially when you factor in all the pieces around Lamar Jackson. Isn't it funny, though, you say vibes were poor, and he was QB5. Again, like, he was still QB5. And, like, again, I'm with you. I agree 100%. It was a bad situation. He was still a top-five fantasy quarterback when he was on the field. So, by the way, one one other note there, uh, coordinator change, too. We're going to have a new play caller. Yes, we will. Todd Monken in for Greg Roman. So that could move to maybe more passing in this offense, too. There's really a lot to like about what Baltimore is doing for this yeah. offense right now. But the only thing I'll say about the uh, QB5 finish for Lamar last year was the first three games of the year came out all guns a-blazing. Mm-hmm. He was the top – he was number one quarterback in the NFL. Uh, for fantasy purposes, he had that – was that that six-touchdown mm-hmm. game? Or no, the two had the six-touchdown game against uh, Baltimore. But same game, uh, he was equally tremendous mm-hmm. from a fantasy perspective. So it's a little bit askew, uh, but still, he was awesome – relative to most every other quarterback last year, and he was terrible by the own standard set by Lamar Jackson. Let's move to some of the players that were picked last night, and let's just do it in order of which they went off the board, not in order of which they will have fantasy relevance this year. feels a bit more yep. clean to do that mm-hmm. way, a bit Please. cleaner to do it that way. So let's start with number one, Bryce Young for the Panthers. Mike, is there fantasy value for Bryce Young going to Carolina? We talked about this a bit prior to the draft because we knew it was coming. Do you see any value here for the former Alabama superstar? Uh, I don't think so. The rule here with rookie quarterbacks is generally you have to add a lot of value with your legs to find your way anywhere close to the QB1 conversation. That has been a trend now for quite a long time. Uh, Just look at the top fantasy rookie quarterbacks in the last decade. All of them had, you know, 20 plus rushing yards per game, had uh, four plus touchdowns every season. That is what uh, the rule seems to be with these rookie quarterbacks. So, no, I have Bryce Young in my early rankings at 25th. Uh, I do expect him to start week one. So yep. unless you're in a super flex league, I don't think you're worried about Bryce Young. Yeah, pros here that he has an offensive line that returns all five starters, but not exactly an overwhelming group of pass catchers around him, mm-hmm. Around him, Daniel. No. Uh, and How, what uh, is he, 33-year-old Adam, yeah, Adam Thielen? DJ, DJ Chark, Char. who, by the way, is coming off of surgery this offseason. Yep. So we'll see when he's Terrace available Marshall. to start mm-hmm. getting reps in with uh, Bryce Young. And 
a good athlete, but not the kind of guy that we expect to rush for a bunch of yards, as Mike just mentioned. Let's go yep. to C.J. Stroud at number yeah. two, Daniel. Does he have any value for the Houston Texans? And by the way, good job, Houston Texans. Dude. Just take the quarterback number two overall. I'm glad that sort of logic and common sense prevailed there with a lot of smoke during the pre-draft process, suggesting yes. Heck yeah, wasn't going to be a quarterback at number two. It ended up being a quarterback at number two. I love Houston, and I'll talk about the quarterback, but getting both, trading back up to get Will Anderson at three as well mm-hmm. with all the draft capital they had. They needed to re-jumpstart that franchise. Uh, I don't, CJ Stroud, no. He's a QB three for me in a two-quarterback super flex league. There's so many things to worry about with this Houston Texans becoming fantasy relevant again. CJ Stroud, while he is, a, the thing talking, the thing about him coming out of college, he's a really accurate passer, has a great touch on the ball. But at Ohio State, he played with Chris Olave, mm-hmm. with Garrett Wilson, mm-hmm. with Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Now he's going to have 30-year-old Robert Woods and Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz. It's a big difference between the guys that he had in college and who he's going to have here for the Houston Texans. I think it's going to be a tough road for fantasy relevance for C.J. Stroud here in year one. He yeah. does have some rushing ability. We mm-hmm. didn't see a ton of it at Ohio State until that last game against Georgia. 34 rushing yards on 12 attempts for C.J. Stroud. But I agree with everything you said right there, Daniel. I think it's going to be a long season offensively for Houston. But that does not change my opinion that I'm extremely glad they just took a quarterback yes. because they needed somebody they needed to that. be the centerpiece of their franchise yep. in a desperate yeah, way. Yeah, that speculation never made sense. We talked about that on the pod the last couple of weeks. Just never understood why they would not take a quarterback. You can't go into a season with Davis Mills and Case Keenum, and now they don't have to. Now they so, are. yeah, common sense does prevail. I'm All with right, you. here's where it gets fun. Anthony Richardson goes number four overall yes. to the Indianapolis Colts out of Florida. 13 career starts to his name. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows he completed just 52.9% of his passes in college. Everybody knows he is supposedly going to take some time to get refined. But we're not talking about being a finished product. We're talking about being a fantasy-relevant quarterback. I have done a very, very early run of project of uh, not projections. Mike does those. I don't do projections. I can't even build an Excel spreadsheet. The, the nerd yeah. does those. Yeah. Uh, I, I have it. done a very early it. run of refreshing my ranks, yep. and the only quarterback to crack my top twenty from the rookies is Anthony Richardson. Okay. He is quarterback eighteen, and I think there's a case to be made that you can move him up a little bit or move him back a little bit. And I think again, this comes down to the eighteenth quarterback off the board is not expected to be a starter. Right. So if you want to take a lottery ticket swing on a quarterback and you think that Anthony Richardson's upside surpasses the likes of Jared Goff, who was just ahead of him in my ranking. Geno Smith, guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But if you're looking for your backup quarterback because you're, you're going for the floor play, then I think there are clearly superior options. Guys who are not athletes like Jared Goff at all. But that's what makes Anthony Richardson so tantalizing is that I hate, hate to make comparisons to players for players to like future Hall of Famers Mm -hmm. before they've even taken a snap in the NFL. But it's kind of the nature of the draft business. And athletically, this is the most athletic quarterback that we have seen at this size since Cam Newton. Yeah, Lamar obviously is a top, top tier athlete, but he is different build. Different build. This guy is 244 pounds, ran a 446 at the combine. I'm going to look up right now. What was Jalen Hurts' combine? I want to see what his, his combine numbers were, just for some perspective That's here. That's a great question. Jalen, obviously, an excellent athlete as well. But just to give some perspective on what kind of athlete we are talking about, like, this is different. So, Jalen Hurts ran a 4.59. 4.46 versus 4.59. By the way, Jalen was 222 pounds. So, Anthony Richardson's <sighs> 22 pounds heavier. <laughs> wow. And ran That's not fair. And ran 0.13 seconds faster, which makes a big difference in the 40. 
Um, you said 6'4", 240 basically is what he is? 6'4", mm-hmm. 244. and ran a 4'4", 640. That is completely ridiculous. So we are talking about a one percent top 1% athlete in the NFL. The minute he puts on his jersey, Mike, I have legit concerns about the passing offense. Oh, yeah. It's an okay group of players around him, but nothing special. Michael Pittman being the most impressive player on this roster for Anthony Richardson to throw the football to. Mm-hmm. But we have a formula in place. Michael Pittman... And that group of pass catchers is no worse than what Justin Fields worked with last year. And Justin Fields lit the world on fire for fantasy football. I am not forecasting a Justin Fields breakout for Anthony Richardson right away. But if you're looking for upside, clearly one rookie has it. And this is the one. Yeah, and he can be a below average passer and still be a QB1 in fantasy because we've seen that before, right? We've seen it from guys like... uh, uh, Cam Newton, to your point, RG3 was like the QB1 mm-hmm. as a rookie for quite a while, doing a lot of damage with his legs, and Richardson has that in his arsenal. The question I have, though, is the talk all draft season has been, this guy's raw, he needs to sit and wait. Is there a month there where he's not in the field to open the season? You're not going to want to really carry him on your fantasy roster if that's the situation. So I want to monitor his progress yeah, very throughout fair. the summer. Um, I will say this. I don't think it's going to be long. I don't think Gardner Minshew's keeping him on the sideline very young, uh, long, and first-round quarterbacks are generally on the field within the first month or so. Um, I actually think the skill guys around him could be decent. Like, there's potential there. We know Michael Pittman's solid. Alec Pierce is going into his second season. Yep. He could be a good player. Jelani Woods looks like he could be a breakout player this season. Everyone you just um, mentioned is six foot three or bigger, yeah, by the way. Yeah. They have some. He's got mm-hmm. huge targets. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm with you. I, look, I think Richardson has a shot to be the most fantasy-relevant quarterback because of what he does with his legs. Uh, I'm curious what this means for Jonathan Taylor. What I keep thinking about with Richardson is what happens when they get inside the five-yard line? Is this going to turn into the Eagles offense where it's Richardson piling into the end zone? Is he going to steal touchdowns from Jonathan Taylor? He actually moved down a little bit in the projections after this move, despite me adjusting this offense to run heavier, which is, of course, what we expect with Richardson under center. So uh, a lot of implications here. I think the passing volume will be down. But overall, it should be good for the offense once uh, Richardson gets his footing. Yeah, great call. Great, great point there, Mike, is that it's not a guarantee he starts out of the gates. But of all the teams that seem to be in the mix for Anthony Richardson, this to me felt like one of the best, if not the best, in terms of clearing a pathway to him mm-hmm. playing right away. Like if he I goes agree. to Seattle or Detroit, yeah, the only way he's playing this year is if Jared Goff or Geno Smith gets hurt or those two teams massively underwhelm mm-hmm. and they're, you know, six and 10 or whatever, six and eight late in the season. Mm-hmm. No chance of making the playoffs, and you get you know four spot starts or three spot starts for Anthony Richardson. So a good landing spot, in my estimation, for Richardson. Agreed. And I want to be clear: like the the floor is low here, right? Like it's possible that he is just a total work in progress as a thrower, and if the Colts are a little bit protective of him as a runner, and they say he's twenty one years old, we don't want this kid taking two hundred and fifty hits a year for every season of his career. He might run a little bit, but not a ton. That exists, but. If, if you're drafting a quarterback at quarterback 18 or 19 overall, the floor for the other guys or the ceiling for the other guys in that same range, not nearly that of Anthony Richardson. You mentioned Jonathan Taylor and what does it mean for him? And it's not like you feel totally different about him, right? You still have him locked in as a top six or seven running back. Correct. This is where tiebreakers get interesting Mike, mm-hmm. because Bijan Robinson has found himself the perfect home, in my opinion, for fantasy mm-hmm. football. Is there any... How high would be too high for someone to take B. John Robinson for you to kind of go, really? And it, there's no there's no limit, right? There is no too high. Yeah. Uh, I w- actually thought, like going into the draft, I had him. Let's see, I had him sixth, right? So I had the the big I had Eckler and McCaffrey, and yeah. then there's Barkley, Henry, Jonathan Taylor, 
And then there's Josh Jacobs. So I had him in. Actually, I had him seventh, right? Right after Jacobs. I have him third now. He's all the way up to three. And if you took him first, so essentially it's Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, and then the top running backs, that's wide open. You can go any direction you want. And by the way, if you're picking in the top five or six and you want B. John Robinson, that's where you have to take him. He will not make it back to the end of the second round. In fact, I don't think he makes it to the one-two turn. He's going to be a popular name, and he should be. Uh, He came out even higher than I expected in the projections because this Atlanta offense is going to run a ton. It is one of the run heavy. It was the run heaviest offense in the NFL last season. We had fantasy relevant production from Cordell Patterson for a while. Then Tyler Algier. Good offensive line too. is run blocking. Yes. The offensive line is, is substantially better. Uh, He can, he can handle somewhere in the range of 60% of the carries in this offense and have 300 carries. Not to mention that we know he's a good pass catcher. As well. So I'm curious to see how things shake out behind him. Like if Cordell Patterson ends up on the roster or not, I don't have him projected for a big offensive role right now, but there is room for Robinson to push for 350 touches without question in my top five. And if you want to take him first, you want to cube RB one, go for it. And I think he will, Daniel go higher than even where the consensus ranks end up for mm-hmm. a couple of reasons. First of all, people like new things, right? shiny new people toys, yes. like the shiny new toys as yep. Mike was referencing earlier. But also if you were to go back, piece by piece of those top running backs that Mike is laying out, there are going to be people that are going to be out of the Jonathan Taylor business this year Mm -hmm. for one season. They're Mm -hmm. going to say, I'm taking a hiatus from Jonathan Taylor after what happened last year. There are going to be people that are saying, you know what? Derrick Henry is awesome, but at some point the wheels have to fall off. Right. Right. Let me avoid Derrick Henry falling off and get B. John Robinson at his peak value here. Whatever he is ranked at, I think he's going to go higher than whatever his consensus rank is. Yeah, if you like Mike said, if you want him, you're going to have to go up and grab him in front of a bunch of those guys. Uh, understanding what this offense looked like last year with Tyler Algier under center, and this is nothing against Tyler Algier, but he was a fantasy usable running back towards the second half of the mm-hmm. season. So think about what this is going to look like with Bijan Robinson. Also, don't forget that two years ago, they used the number four overall pick on blocking tight end Kyle Pitts. Mm, they did. Obviously yeah. going to open up a ton tackle. of lanes. Yes. Take on some linebackers there, maybe a Jack Campbell or something in the you know that second level. Yeah, I do wonder what's going to happen. I mean, how is this? I just want to know how is this going to affect both Drake London and Kyle Pitts from a passing game perspective? Because now they're all in on what was last year, being able to keep this running game going. That's what this team yeah. built their team around. It does embolden them to be as dedicated to the run as they were last mm-hmm. year. So I am, you know, would it have been cool if? For, for for those who have Kyle Pitts or Drake London in fantasy in, in dynasty, if they had taken like an offensive tackle or maybe even a quarterback, yeah, that would have been pretty cool. I do think though, relative to the price that both Drake London and Kyle Pitts are going to go at, they're still fine values, right? Yeah, because I, it's like yeah. tight end six or seven for Kyle Pitts, Drake London wide receiver 30, 32, mm-hmm. 33, somewhere in that range. Like they can meet expectations. Yeah, there. I'm with you. I mean. Last year, one tight end had a larger target share than Kyle Pitts. Yeah. That was Mark Andrews, right? They the When they did throw the yeah. ball, it went to Kyle Pitts 27% of the time. That is yeah. a huge target share. I don't think that changes much this season. They just don't. I mean, Matt Collins is their number two receiver right now. So those two guys will be busy. By the way, I do want to address something, though, that you brought up, which is was going to be my next point, Uh-oh. which is how you know, the, the, the pushback we're going to get on Bijan is going to be the same throughout the offseason, which is how can you take a guy that early – that has never played it down in the NFL when there's kind of certified solid players in that range, right? Do you, do, you have a ter- do you have a two-word response to that? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. I have uh, a couple words. I have okay. more than words. Oh, okay. more, more, than, more, more than words. Than words. Than words. Okay. More than words. <laughs> yeah. Which no, version? Which version? Like coming that. after us now, Mike. Come wait, on. Wait, I, yeah, under I six say. seconds. I'm yeah. good, right? Um, <laughs> um, but you, I just wanted to address that with with uh, a cup. Well, first of all, we could pick apart running backs like you just were. I mean, yeah, you're yeah, picking yeah. apart. So you can do that for all those top guys. There, are a lot of them are getting older. Derrick Henry, even Austin Eckler's 27. But how about this? Top t- running backs picked in the top ten since 2012, where they finished. In their rookie season, Saquon Barkley RB two, Trent Richardson RB nine, Leonard Fournette RB eight, Zeke RB two, Christian McCaffrey was in a committee. He was RB fifteen. Todd Gurley was RB five, and you, that doesn't even include Doug Martin and Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, guys who are picked later in the first round. I mean, that's like all the first round running backs almost, and yeah. they were RB ones right out of the gate. So if you take him, even with Trent the, Richardson, yeah, if you take yeah. him as the first running back off the first pick 1.1 and he finishes RB six or seven. That's fine. Right? Like you got a great season out of him and it's going to pay off. So I don't, I don't, I don't like the pushback that he hasn't played it down in the NFL. We've seen this before and it doesn't matter. You take a running back that early to make him a feature back. That's what's going to happen in Atlanta. The two word response I was thinking of was Saquon Barkley because yeah. I think people, and I, I get it. I would guess most people listening to our show are a, in tune with what takes place in the NFL draft and be like probably tangentially aware of what's taking place in college football. This is the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. And he might be superior to Saquon as a prospect coming out of Penn State. Bijan Robinson is an absolute freak runner. And what's scary about him is that if you assigned him to be a wide receiver and that was all he did for Atlanta, he could be their number two wide receiver and be very capable and very good at it. it it's just the... It is the talent is so special and unique that the bus rate just seems so, so, so low for a guy who's what, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And if ever there was a time, we were having the conversation before the show about drafting a running back in the first round. If ever there was a time to be completely the opposite of mindful of a player's workload. It's his rookie season. Yep. It's what the Steelers did with Najee. You mentioned him two mm-hmm. years ago. The or Steelers, all those guys that listen. Yeah. Same thing. They all have massive workloads right out of the gate. Yeah, but, but specific to Najee, not only did he have that massive rushing attempts, um, rushing usage, mm-hmm. he led all running backs in catches two years ago. Last year, it dropped off dramatically when they were a bit more judicious. But, like, you don't use the eighth overall pick, as Mike just said, mm. for an accessory. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I know what the retort would be. would be, well, hey, they've used the fourth and the ninth pick in the past two years for accessories. It's different at running back because it requires so little creativity and effort to get him the football. So, what again, a, take a number one overall, not going to bat an eyelash. What about the 12th overall pick? Do you take that as an accessory so field? Do, do or? we want to do the uh, – do we do this – should I do my, my Lions take before or after we do talk it before. about it? Okay. I want to do it. I want to hear it before All we right, get So, it. just quickly, for those who missed last night, Jameer Gibbs, running back, goes number 12 to the Lions after they had traded down from pick six. So, they picked up some extra draft capital. Then they took at number 18, Jack Campbell, a linebacker not related to Dan Campbell. He played at Iowa, yep. won the Butkus Award. That's given to the best linebacker in college football, first ever in Iowa history. But we spent the past year applauding how the Lions have built this culture and this identity 
that has played a legitimate impact role in their ascension, right? They go nine and eight last year. We all love it. We all, but maybe it's because we saw it on Hard Knocks, but we have all bought in to the Dan Campbell identity. We know what a Detroit Lion football player looks like. Mm-hmm. I get it. First round running backs, first round off ball linebackers. There's an asset allocation conversation. But I got to be honest with you. I'm okay with the Lions taking two players who are the epitome of what they are looking for on offense and defense. Now, a little bit of a, maybe a hot take there, but like I had less of an issue with it than the masses did last night. Mike, I, Mike is, Mike is a much more. He's I know, he's, yeah, I know you're. He's, I'm a Howie Roseman. Yes, and I don't. You no way. He would never do that. Analytically, There's I don't no think two he's ways about it. Howie has never taken a what a linebacker or a running back in the first round. I don't think ever. I, I think they've the, never I think done the, that. The organization is at like some 26 years or yeah. something straight, right? Um, so I just want to say, like, I hear it out. I also, and maybe this is like the soft side of me coming out. Aw, but these players have worked their whole life to get drafted in the NFL. Heck yeah. And it bothers me that sometimes the reaction these kids mm-hmm. have to live through right after they achieve their dream is, are you freaking kidding me? That team took that player? Mm-hmm. Jack Campbell? Can, are you kidding me? Yeah, the dude was the best linebacker in college football last year. Like, yeah, he's a good football player. So maybe, uh, maybe I'm getting soft, but I had less of an issue with it. But that's just from a, that's from a real draft conversation. Yeah. Let's talk fantasy. Because as far as fantasy is concerned, unless you start Daniel, I would be fired up. If I could draft myself a Jameer Gibbs this year in fantasy yeah. football. I'm fired up. I'm a little less fired up because of the other guys we have in that rotation right for now. now. Yeah, for now. And that's the thing that we got to figure out, right? We obviously brought we. The Detroit Lions brought in David Montgomery. Okay, I appreciate <laughs> that. Allowed, right? yeah, of course. Uh, we brought in David Montgomery, obviously, on a three-year deal. So really excited about him, Jameer Gibbs. I think a part of this is because of that Jamison Williams suspension. They want to be able to find another playmaker to be able to use in this offense. And you look at what DeAndre Swift, what they hoped to get out of him last year. And it felt like that never fully materialized. Mike, I know you've talked about it a bunch when he's healthy and he's on the field. DeAndre Swift is one of the most explosive running backs in fantasy mm-hmm. football. But he has not been able to stay on the field and heading into the final year of his rookie contract. Again, field, we're taping this at 1130 on Friday, right? Yep. I would not be shocked. The Detroit Lions do not have a third or fourth round pick. They've got three fifths yeah. and two sixths. I would not be shocked if they tried to find a way to move DeAndre Swift in order to move back up into the draft here in the second and third round. Not a bad, not a bad idea right there, Mike. Let's talk about Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Mm -hmm. Quick expository, scouting report here. Jameer Gibbs played his first two seasons of college ball at Georgia Tech, was a major recruit for them, and absolutely crushed it. You know who else played at Georgia Tech was a former Detroit Lion? Calvin Johnson. Megatron. Um, But, I mean, just an awesome, awesome player there. Goes in the transfer portal last year with this Mm -hmm. huge transfer goes to Alabama and what does he do continues to crush it has some Alvin Kamara to him Mike excellent excellent receiver I thought I talked about how good of a receiver Bijan Robinson is the best receiving back in this draft is Jameer Jameer Gibbs Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure he's a like a battering ram as a runner but the Lions already have one of those in David Montgomery. Yeah, I think that'll be the one-two punch. I think that's what we expect, right? Yep. Uh, um, I think my on this show the last few weeks we've been talking about the draft, I had like three takes, right? One was the Seahawks and the Lions not taking quarterbacks in the first yep. round. I didn't yep. think that was going to happen. Uh, the next one was, I forget already. Wow. What was it? It was what a really was good it? one. Oh, it was. Oh, it was. I wasn't buying the Texans not taking a QB a two. Yep. Right. That was the other one. And the third one was last week. DeAndre Swift and Jamar Gibbs would not be on the same roster in 2023. Because we went through that exercise. Right. Yeah, yeah, we did. So uh, I do, I'm with you. I think Swift gets traded for now. I still have him in the projections. And I still have 
uh, Gibbs and Montgomery inside my top 30. So yeah. they can really go into into the top 20, at least one of them. Which one do you have first? You know I, I, have, uh, I have Gibbs 26, Monty 27 for yeah. now. But Funny, I'm, I'm, I had them. Yeah, I did the same thing. I had them back to back. I just flipped Jameer Gibbs into the DeAndre Swift spot. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's just I'm projecting it right now. And for now, Swift is there. So I'm giving him some sort of role. But once he's out of there, I mean, there's a lot to like. I mean, as far as landing spots go, assuming Swift is not there, this is an outstanding fit for Gibbs. And, yeah. you know, you're. I mean, yeah, he's fast. Four, three, six wheels. He's undersized, so he might not be their primary goal linebacker or anything like that. But that didn't stop Swift from having seven-plus touchdowns in every season of his career so far. And to your point, he's going to be very involved in the passing game. And remember, 501. 501 fantasy points scored by Lions running backs last season. That was most in the NFL. If it's those two guys, Montgomery and Gibbs, sharing a similar workload in this offense, both of them can be on the RB2, if not the flex radar. So really a lot to like. You know, I'm going to see if I can do this on the fly. I'm going to figure out the running back last season that had at least 50 receptions and how far he fell. So 50 and above, Rashad White. Okay, so I guess you could fall, like, fairly far. But if you look at all the running backs that had at least – 50 catches last year. Other than Rashad White, like all of them finished inside the top 20 ish mm-hmm. or so for total scores, right? And yeah. you could parse that out points per game as well. And But like if you have three catches a game, which feels like a very reasonable expectation mm-hmm. for Jameer Gibbs based off the skill set and the offense, there's a legit shot to a top 20 play for him this upcoming season. I'm in on the fit and, um, I think there's a chance that if we do a show again on, you know, if we did a show tomorrow at noon, we'd have a new home for DeAndre Swift. Swift. Maybe by Sunday at noon. But, last uh, night. Yeah, the writing's on the wall. I mean, do you have the quote from Brad yeah, Holmes? Yeah, last Every- night he said, <laughs> he was asked about, uh, Brad Holmes was asked about what they're going to do you know, with Jameer Gibbs, obviously, and they have DeAndre Swift on the roster. He said, well, I mean, DeAndre is still on our roster. He's still part of our team, and he's still under contract with us. Those are the first three things that we noted <laughs> when talking about DeAndre Swift. Yeah, That's so. not fantastic. So uh, it didn't really change a whole lot. We just kind of put Jameer in his own separate box and just got really excited about the player. I mean, it just seems so obvious that they have started that transition of moving on to whatever the next guy is. And we had 501 points, fantasy points, on the ground. And neither of those two running backs are going to be with this team next year. Mm-hmm. In theory, assuming that DeAndre Swift gets moved. So I'm really excited to see what this offense is going to look like with Jameer Gibbs uh, as one of these guys, Mike, because I... Didn't get a lot of goal line work. He wasn't like a heavy touchdown guy from that perspective, but he is a home run hitter. Saw a little bit of Jamal Charles, too. I know we talked about Alvin Kamara. A little bit of Jamal Charles in his game, I think. He is super. I mean, he is explosive as all get out in the open field. Like, he is going to make defenders miss left and right. You did talk about Jamison Williams earlier. I'm sure they knew about Jamison Williams before the suspension was announced last Friday. But for six games... Their fastest player on offense is not going to be Jamison Williams. It's going to be Jameer Gibbs, at least out of the gates next season. Uh, I, I kept DeAndre Swift, for those asking, at like 43 in my running back ranks. I just, I had to move him far enough down that I'm like, I'm not justifying like a high draft pick on him, but I think DeAndre Swift is going to find a home and in the right spot, he could be super value. You have, you are going to try mm-hmm. to continue to manifest DeAndre Swift to the Chiefs. I'm still working to manifest a Deontay Johnson touchdown after uh, last season. <laughs> that did not uh, work out last I season. haven't <laughs> shaved since that last touchdown. I mean, you can't yeah. tell, but I have not That's shaved. Yeah. I see like a couple a of hairs little bit there. Of a, I have a hair, yeah. Um, I think uh, when we did like an early offseason pod, we were like, come up with a trade that you'd like to see. And mine was like a fourth round pick 
and Willie Gay to the Lions for DeAndre yeah. Swift. And I'm now, still in on that. You already addressed a linebacker, so yep. they did. They checked that box. Um, <laughs> I think it's like a fifth but, or a sixth round pick for DeAndre. Yeah, I, I think so mind. now. Maybe I, I, I think at this point, yeah. it, plus everyone kind of knows that he's expendable, expendable at this point. By the way, one quick thing on Jack Campbell, the Lions taking a linebacker. If you watched Hard Knocks last season, you know you're not surprised at all that they're in the linebacker market. I mean, they that was one of the key, it. like unheralded storylines, is them just ripping into those linebackers uh, the entire. Okay, he's a, uh, he is a lion. Show. He is a lion. Like we talk mm-hmm. about that, I think more at the college football level because I feel like stigma of what a player is or like aura takes place much more frequently. But he is a lion. He is a lion through and through. And it is really evident. And I'll stop after this, but it's really no. evident when Keep Brad going. Holmes came up and was talking about these two guys. It was obvious. He knows a lot of people thought we drafted these guys too early. He does not care. He had conviction about both of these players. And I get the mock draft process, but guys, when you feel this way about a player, you go up and you get, you grab the guy that you want. Once we get past like the first five picks, there's so much variance on boards around the NFL. Oh, yeah. At 12, if the Lions are fearful that Jameer Gibbs is not going to be there at 18 and he's the highest ranked player on their board, even if he's a running back, like, am I really going to fault the team for going by its board? They spent 12 months studying these players. Like, not every pick is going to work out. There are going to be some picks that look like abject failures, probably within two years. But some of these picks that people are not enthused by end up working out, sometimes quite masterfully. Hey, so man, for Lions now, fans got to give Brad Holmes a little yeah, bit of slack, too. Gonna, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's been one of the best ones. Better, oh, right. Mike, you're just, not a Lions fan. I, mean, I don't look, care about what you have to say. The only thing I'll say is philosophically, <laughs> I mean, last year they had, a, efficiency-wise, had a top-five offense, and they had struggled to win games because the defense was horrendous. I don't know. Just take spending a uh, first on a running back. 48, 55. I don't, I don't, I'm not on board with it, but it, that's a philosophical question. I agree with you, Field. I'm excited for Gibbs. I love him from a fantasy perspective. I'm happy for him. It's just that's a different conversation. Team building is just a different conversation. Mike, you're so lucky you're for the Eagles, Mike. Yeah, like, right? I can't wait till the Eagles. So lucky. Like, so Dave Gellerman's been hired as a consultant. <laughs> Mike is going to shudder for the next Lord knows how long and just sort of. Oh, man. Well, no. the um, Eagles are the perfect team for you to root for because Howie Roseman certainly operates in a way that is very much aligned with how you do. And by the uh-huh. way, it's, unbelievable. it's an awesome way of going about their business. Crushing it. All right, let's talk about uh, four wide receivers because for the first time ever, we had four wide receivers go in succession in the first round of the mod- at least at least, at least during the common draft era. That's from 1967 and on. It starts at number 20. So we had to wait two running backs before any tight end or wide receiver. And then things started at number 20, with the Seahawks grabbing Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. I think probably on average he was the highest-rated wide receiver in terms of people that I spoke to in the scouting community, Mike. As far as landing spots, though, I'm not so sure this is a very good one for fantasy. <laughs> not in the short term. I like it long term a lot. Uh, the Seahawks just continue to figure things out and win games. We thought they'd fall apart last year with Russell Wilson out and Geno Smith and Drew Locke in, and they did not. In fact, Geno Smith was QB5 in fantasy points last season. Number one in completion percentage, fourth in touchdown passes. Uh, the Seahawks were near the basement of the league in three wide receiver sets last season, but that has not always been the trend there. I think we'll see a flip-flop back now with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lock on the outside and Smith and Jigba in the slot. So he's going to play uh, a lot. You know, when they're throwing the ball, he'll be on the field. It's just going to, it's hard to see a high ceiling in terms of target share with those two guys on the outside. But again, one guy goes down, like we might rank him, what, 48th in week one, okay? Right, right, 46th right. in week two, and then Lockett misses a game, might be 32nd, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, he is uh, uh, just a perfect late-round flyer. Hopefully the hype won't get too out of control. You take a late flyer, you keep him on your bench. A lot of mouths in that offense to feed, though, when you look at it. I mean, with DK and Tyler, and Ken Walker isn't going away. He obviously was fantastic last year. He's going to be a top-10 running back for me. Mm-hmm. 
when you look at this offense, Mike, are you going to have, are you going to project having a guy like this? Like you said, you know, we're waiting halfway through the season until you're really starting to use him from a fantasy perspective because there's just not enough balls to go around in this offense unless you have Tyler or DK get hurt and miss time. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, but he's a, he's a good bench dash. It sounds. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a, I mean, he's a league winner. Yeah. yeah, he's a potential league winner. He's a guy in the second half of the season that can have like an Amon Ra, St. Brown sort of second half if yep. he gets a chance to play a, a larger role. DK yeah. and Tyler Metcalf have largely held up pretty darn well. Tyler, Tyler uh, Lockett. Tyler Lockett. Did I say DK? You said Tyler and Metcalf. They're, yeah, they're brothers now. No, they're just teammates. <laughs> DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have largely held up pretty well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tyler, I think, had like a broken finger last year he played through. So, I mean, it was a shin. It was a shin issue, Mm -hmm. right? Those two have largely held up pretty well, but injuries can be fluky. 21. Who ran the slot in Seattle last year? Uh, so we've seen sort of a lock yeah, in the past. A, there's a few um, people worked in there. Escrow just played some. They've had like Penny Hart play there in the past. Mm -hmm. Like it's been kind of a... It's kind of been a smorgasbord of Jackson slot Smith receivers, and but this is the, their first yeah. true conventional slot receiver, probably since like Doug Baldwin, who will play there on a full time basis. Doug played some on mm-hmm. the outside on occasion, but he was love me some Doug well, Baldwin back yeah. in the day. Eskridge yeah, was supposed team. to be that guy, but yep. just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, injuries have really caught up to him. Sure have. Uh, Twenty one, Quinton Johnston, Chargers, and this is one where if this has some similarities to what we just talked about, yep. right? You got Mike Williams, you've got Keenan Allen, you've got Austin Eckler. This team probably profiles as much more 11 personnel heavy, Mike, mm-hmm. compared to Seattle. That being said, I still view Quinton Johnston as comparable to Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is a more talented player. I think Quinton Johnston has a better chance for a slightly larger role in this offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the reason that we everyone kind of thought the Chargers might go this direction is because of injuries, right? Mike Williams is, is constantly beat up, occasionally misses some games, and Keenan Allen is 31 years old, missed a chunk of last season as well. Uh, but again, when those two guys are on the field, they're going to be force-fed the football. Uh, Keenan uh, Allen was the top five fantasy receiver when he was healthy last season. Mike Williams has been top 15 in fantasy points per game the last two seasons. Now, when I adjusted here, I actually did not move Allen. I, didn't, I don't think his target share is really affected by this. Mike Williams, a tiny, a tiny drop down for him. Um, and Johnston obviously crushes any potential value for yeah. Josh, Josh Palmer, Palmer. Yeah. Uh, for a year three breakout. So Johnson will be out there in three white sets, but I, I'm with you. I just don't know that there's much upside in this situation. He's going to need an injury to find himself on the flex rate. Let me read you a couple of important numbers here. The first number is, let's see if I can get it, 34717500 That's Keenan That's Allen's salary? 20, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's Keenan Allen's 2024 cap it, the final year of his contract. Wow. Meanwhile, Mike Williams... 2024 cap it, $32,460,000, also the final year of his contract. $55 million? A year from now, it's even more. Those two numbers combined, I think, is like $68 bucks. Those two players could be gone a year from now. Mm -hmm. Mike Williams is a better bet to be around long-term because he's much younger, obviously, Mm -hmm. than Keenan Allen. But even if one or the two of them is gone... Quinton Johnson has a very clear path to being a top-flight wide receiver with Justin Herbert as his quarterback. So patience is probably the word here on Quinton Johnson. Very interesting, though, for Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Number 22 is Zay Flowers. What a flex by Eric DaCosta and the oh, Ravens man. organization the past three weeks, Daniel. I'm, I, I will, we would think we probably all recall, it was Easter evening, OBJ signs with the Ravens, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, all right, that's like pretty good, right? That's like, you know, I, I have some doubts about, about OBJ and his health, but kind he's still a lot OBJ, of money. a lot of money, but still, it's OBJ, right? But it's You're OBJ. Like, it's OBJ. Like, yeah. he, was there, he was the most desirable free agent wide receiver available. Now, here we are on April 28th. They've got OBJ. 
Lamar Jackson's got a long-term contract, and they drafted Zay freaking Flowers in the first round. Yeah. Flexing right now. But is there much value in Zay Flowers? So Zay Flowers is going to fall into a lot of the same conversation that we've been having with the rest of these wide receivers. I got It's going to take some time for me to figure out how is this pecking order going to sort of suss itself out, yeah. right? Mark Andrews is still going to be one of the most targeted players mm-hmm. in this offense, even though he's a tight end. They brought in OBJ and gave him a bunch of real money, and I got to assume they want to get him involved as well. Not to mention Rashad Bateman they've been waiting for. We talk yeah. about that third-year breakout with wide receivers a lot of times, so... Obviously, they've got to be excited about Zay Flowers, but no, he's not just like going to come in and be a wide receiver three for me in this offense. He's someone that, again, upside, maybe later on within the year as he gets a little bit more. I like him as a wide receiver four, wide receiver five down the stretch. Yes, like I talked about earlier in the show, a lot of mouths to feed suddenly in this offense, an offense that is going to have a lot of Lamar Jackson scrambles, which is going to take away passing volume, which is why the receivers over the years haven't uh, produced a lot of fantasy points, and that's generally okay for the number one, right? Like we've seen Marquise Brown have some big seasons there, but when you have Mark Andrews, who I took a few targets away from uh, because of this this uh, move to Zay Flowers, not to mention the other receivers, when you have Odell Beckham, and uh, they're paying him a lot of money, he's going to be featured when he's healthy and on the field, and you still have Rashad Bateman. It might be tough for Zay Flowers to see consistent targets in this offense, even if he's number two in line. And by the way, I think the biggest... Uh, the guy who loses the most value here in Baltimore is Rashad Bateman. I think yeah. uh, I think Flowers might even win the two job there. Mm, so yeah. that's uh, crushing for him. He's no more than a late flyer, but I think the same for Zay Flowers. I think those two guys kind of battle for that two job. Um, and uh, honestly, one of the kind of underrated value boosts out of this is Travis Kelsey because th- huh, this yeah. hurts Mark Andrews, who's the consensus tight end too, and it just separates Kelsey even further from all these other tight ends like Andrews that's a great and point. Waller. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and TJ Hawkinson. And TJ Hawkinson, of Thanks. course. So, I mean, you're looking right at me. You can I'm just, looking. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted you to say it. Just to, <laughs> yeah, like the Lions get rid of him. And then he's a feature target. Then Superstar right. fantasy tight end. That's how it works. <laughs> you touched on this earlier, Mike, but it's a new offensive coordinator. That will be interesting to monitor how yeah. this offense mm-hmm. looks compared to how it looked with Greg Roman. A couple of caveats here. People say, you know, Todd Munkin wants to push the ball down the field. That's what he did during his time as an NFL coordinator to a degree during his time as the Georgia offensive coordinator. It's very possible that he wants to be pass heavier, and they still are like a bottom 10 team in terms of passing volume. We talked about this earlier in the offseason, but you go back to the 2019 season. That was Lamar's breakout year. 440 passing attempts for Baltimore. Lowest in the NFL. That was 244 fewer than the Falcons. The oh. Falcons were throwing the football like 15 times more per game. By the way, the Falcons That's just throw crazy. the ball time. Isn't uh, that wild? Bunch, right? The next season, Lamar also obviously still very much in the mix there as a high-level starter. 406 passing attempts. The Steelers were at 656, so 250 more uh, passing attempts. So again, wow. even if the Ravens come up by like 25%, they're not even going to be league average mm-hmm. just because of the way the NFL is playing right now. But I am still optimistic this will be a pass-happier attack relative to where it's been in the past. But the first three wide receivers kind of fall into a similar category for me. Like, if things break really right for them, they're totally gifted enough to make a real impact and be fantasy relevant. Circumstantially, though, hard to use much of priority pick on them. It kind of feels like those first three wide receivers were a lot of what happened to last year's wide receiver class, where we liked a lot of those names, but they didn't fall in super favorable landing spots for fantasy. This is actually, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, and this is probably a dumb thing to do, but this has been drawing shades of the 2020 receiver class to me because if you go back to 2020, I'm not, this is like 
God, I, I don't even want to sound like a turd when I say this. I'm trying to pat myself on the back, right? Because even if I had like a fairly optimistic outlook for Justin Jefferson, I only like undershot him by about, I don't know, like a thousand yards. But I remember in 2020, we had the conversation on the show of like, which rookie receiver, whose role do you like? And this was after the Vikings had just traded Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you just you just go through some of them in 2020 rookies receivers. I think Justin Jefferson has a chance to be like a close to a fixture for Minnesota because of the fact that there is no Stephon Diggs now. And it's just Adam Thielen amongst those star receivers in Minnesota. It took, a, it took what, a month for Justin Jefferson to really get mm-hmm. a role. But once he did, he exploded. And I feel like Jordan Addison, yes. now teammates with Justin Jefferson, Mike, has the clearest path of these four receivers, despite the fact that he was the final one taken, mm-hmm. to a real role. And if I were drafting right now, he would be clearly the number one out of those four that I'm drafting. Yeah, I think it's a close guy of him and Smith and Jigba, very close. But uh, I'm with you. I mean, remember, two years ago when he was at Pitt, you know, transferred to USC last season. Yep. He won the Blitnikoff Award. He right. was the best yes. receiver yeah. in the nation. Think about all the receivers we were just talking about that have been superstars at the college level. In 2021, Addison was the best in the business. He is undersized. Uh, he did throw up a red flag at the combine. He was slow for his size, one of the worst speed scores. That's generally a red flag for wide receivers. A lot of those guys don't pan out. So that's a little bit of a concern. But he was a machine at the college level. 29 touchdowns in 35 games. Should slide right in there as their primary slot receiver. Uh, can He'll carry the ball a little bit. He'll be used a little bit as a returner as well. And I will say this. The difference, I guess, I mean, look, when Jefferson got there and dominated, Adam Thielen was on the other side. Uh, Thielen was still productive in fantasy. And so Addison certainly is a shot to be as well in a Vikings offense that over the last three seasons is fifth in touchdowns. They score a ton of touchdowns. So there's an opportunity for Addison to be productive right out of the gate. I'm with you. KJ Osborne is the uh, the receiver he's competing f- yep. with for that number two job. So, uh, yeah, I'm buying in on Addison. I think he has, certainly has a chance to be a flex option. And talking about these four wide receivers, I've got Jordan Addison as my the first rookie wide receiver off the board. And then I go Jackson Smith and Jigba, then Quinton Johnston, then Zay Flowers. Do you guys have any no, no major problems. problems. I have uh, I have a kind of tiered. I have Smith and Jigba and Addison together, and then I have the other two, just sure. a few spots further yeah, down. I think that seems fair to When me. you look at this, I'm, I'm just curious, and this is a little bit different from the uh, redraft perspective, but... Is there one of these guys from a dynasty perspective that you like more? I know we're talking a lot redraft, right? With Quinton Johnston, I look at the idea of, man, you got Justin Herbert as your quarterback and both of those two wide receivers that we talked about and Keenan Allen who's getting older and Mike Williams mm. potentially. I mean, is there one that you like more in dynasty than redraft or is it pretty much the I same setup? To, I tend to break the tie with like talent, right? Because yes. so much can change right. from one year to the next. And I did think Jackson Smith and Jigbo mm. was the best player out of these Out four. of all of them. So I think he probably hangs on by a thread as my top dynasty wideout of these four, Mike. But if Addison, who's, by the way, it's not like the gap between Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison is substantial. He's a really good player as mm-hmm. well. If he plays with a capable quarterback for the next three seasons as the starter right out of the gates, we might look at that pick as like the one that really hit amongst these wide receivers. Yeah, I think Smith and Jigba, we've been, we've kind of learned the NFL, NFL views him as the top talent there. So I'd probably lean that way. But Quentin Johnson is right there. To your point, he could be the number one receiver for the Justin Herbert led Chargers next yeah. season. I mean, there really is a lot of intrigue there for a guy that's now set up with Herbert for the next really five, five seasons, years. assuming he's yeah. the real deal. It's, yep. I mean, they, they, they all, I think, are in a very, very similar tier for dynasty purposes. Like, yeah. I think these guys all be, I mean, it's reflected in the fact that they want one, two, three, four <laughs> yeah. in succession, right? So um, this, I think this group, it's funny, you know, the NFL clearly viewed Jackson Smith and Jigba as the top. It's like, 
by one spot though, right? Like by only one pick. So I think um, we, I think in over the past month or so, it became it clear that, that he was number one on most yep. big boards. But yeah, I think part of the yeah. reason why the run took place is just happened to be the perfect confluence of guys who are comparably graded with a bunch of teams that needed wide receivers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hence some of the 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 action that we saw or the the trades that we almost saw to kind of jockey for those receivers yeah, that, in that range. I'm with you. That was a predictable run. In fact, I tweeted, like, could we see a receiver run here and listed the four teams coming up? And I thought maybe two would take yeah. four in a row. All four, four of them took yeah. a receiver. Good so you're right. You. That's why you're good at projections, Mike. No, that was that was lucky. Let's wrap it up with the final skill player in the first round, Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. University of Utah tight end goes to the Buffalo Bills, number 25 overall. The Bills actually moved up. I think to get ahead of the Dallas Cowboys who were long rumored to be interested in the tight end class. And they take Dalton Kincaid, freaky athlete, guy who was unbelievable for Utah this past season, Daniel. Yeah. The only thing that like I, I don't want to like sound disappointed, because again, I was saying earlier, I want these players to be celebrated on their big night. But from a fantasy perspective, anytime you have two tight ends that are good on a team, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Well, and now we've got two Buffalo Bill tight ends, DK1 and DK2 is the way that I'm going to refer to them okay. as. Yeah. And I don't really know what, like, what's, how do you look at the fantasy outlook for what Dalton Kincaid is going to be? They already, the Bills do not throw a ton to the tight end position as it is. We wanted to see more out of Dawson Knox last year. We didn't really get a whole bunch. We've seen flashes from him, right? We've watched him be able, especially... I think those flashes are more because of he's in a Josh Allen-led offense than it is about Dawson Knox himself. But I don't. There's nothing about this from a fantasy perspective that really moves the needle for me because it's just it's not a situation. You're tight end two on a good team, but it's not going to do a whole lot for me. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a very pass-heavy, high-scoring offense. You're right that they haven't thrown to the tight end. I think they'll set a new, we'll say, Sean McDermott record for tight for end target share. Yeah, they're yeah. to use more 12 personnel because they're not very good at receiver after Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs, right? It's like Khalil Shakir right now. They brought in Deontay Hardy. It's guys like that compete. I think Trent Shurfield's there now. They're competing for that three job. They could still address that, so we'll see. Uh, But here's the thing. Uh, Rookie, even first-round tight ends are not fantasy relevant. In fact, a good stat here from Kyle, only twice over the past decade is a rookie tight end averaged 10 fantasy points per game Ooh, while can occurring I guess at that least is? 10 games. Yeah, who do you got? I think that was Evan Ingram with the Giants. Wasn't yeah, no. And, and the interesting thing with him, he was a first round pick. He was basically their wide receiver one at times. Right. They were really in trouble at, at, uh, at wide receiver and they were desperate and that's why he was featured. He had, he had not actually had a really good fantasy season since then until this until past season with Jacksonville. Yeah. And the other one is, of course... The other one is TJ Hawkinson. Kyle Pitts. Oh, oh, Kyle Pitts. Who, go. again, was drafted in the top 10 and was a feature target right, of the bat, uh, right off the bat over 1,000 yards. Kincaid is not in that He's situation. Not, yeah. Dawson Knox <laughs> is going to play a role. He'll be their primary, you know, maybe you know, do some blocking. He's going to be on the field quite a bit. He'll play a lot of snaps. Look, his value got crushed here. Dawson Knox is no longer like a good tight end, too. Right. He's going to see less volume. But is that enough that Kincaid is going to see a 15% target share and be a tight end one? No, not this season. It's just there's a learning curve with the tight end position. 2024, probably the breakout year. Let's avoid both of them here this year, basically. This is a signal, though. Like It's a signal of one of two things. Either the Bills fundamentally believe that a two-tight end offense can be a method for success going forward, or they feel as though Dalton Kincaid is tight end in label, but wide receiver in practical usage, right? Because Mike Kosicki. This isn't like uh, like if you know people thought that the Patriots, as an example, could draft a tight end mm-hmm. in the first round. Well, well both Mike Kosicki and Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry are going to be free agents after this year. Yeah. So if you take one, it's like, all right, well, this is like, um, like, like I get it, right? Like, you know, it's the succession plan. 
Dawson Knox, unless they change their mind dramatically, is going nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they just signed him to a big yeah, contract yeah. Well, last preseason. So this, to me, feels like the Bills acknowledging that, like, maybe the two tight end set can be the backbone of their offense going forward. And in a year in which the Bills had extremely limited resources to spend, they said, you know what? The best pass catcher that we can add right now is not a wide receiver in free agency. It's not a wide receiver at pick number 25. Instead, it's a tight end who... He ain't getting paid to block, I'm telling you right now. Dalton Kincaid is not Michael Mayer. He is not Darnell Washington from Georgia. This guy is obviously extremely talented. He'll make his money, though, because he might have 1,000 yards in a season one day. That's, that's how talented he is. I'm with you. and But, you know, we I feel like every year there's like a tight end or two or like they're never going to block. They're just they're basically a wide receiver. They're going to line up a wide yep. receiver. And they're not fantasy relevant right. in year one except for Kyle Pitts, and he is the extreme. He's like the best tight end prospect in the history of the NFL. And to get him to tight end six, I mean, he, he couldn't even find the end zone that year, right? He had to use a huge target share and a thousand uh, receiving yards to get there. So I think it's a long shot that Kincaid is going to be a guy we're talking about as a startable option this year. Down the road, though, landing spot, fantastic. With Josh Allen in 2024 and beyond, this could be terrific. Yeah, I was just going to say that even if he is used like a wide receiver in their offense, it doesn't matter for our game, right? He's still a tight end, you right. know? Like, Correct. it has to right. be an yeah. extremely, extremely rare situation where a guy plays so many snaps at wide receiver and no snaps at tight end for us to adjust the position that he actually plays. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question, Field? I questions. think we're basically done with the list of first-round fantasy-relevant yeah. people that we have. Yeah. Obviously, you did the first draft pros, uh, podcast yeah. all season long. And we talked about watching kids' dreams come true last night. Obviously, it was a tough night for Will Levis. And yeah. Mel Kuyper Jr. feels really strongly about Will do you have a spot where you think he might fall here in the second round? You know, given that everybody bypassed him in the first round, I don't. The team that I have my eyes on is the Rams because the Rams have, obviously, they, they are in a transition period. Matthew Stafford's not going to play forever. He already had to quash the idea of retirement earlier this offseason. The counterpoint to that, though, is this team needs to get, they did a lot, yeah. they had to plug a lot of holes. Uh, we talked about this before. 44 players on their roster right yeah. now. 44. There are 90 allowable spots. The average besides the Rams is like 65. They're going to have literally every undrafted free agent <laughs> on their roster in the next 72 hours. Yeah. So Quarterback isn't the area that they need to plug with some, those. It's, yeah. it's, you can make the case both ways. If they were to do that, I think it would reveal a lot about where the Rams feel like they are at as a franchise. Yep. I should also note that the new and also the old Kentucky offensive coordinator, Liam Cohn, spent a year this past year with the Rams. So if they want a scouting report on Will Levis, Cohn was there in 2021 when Levis was excellent. Then he went to the Rams this past year. Levis was not very good. They're going to have intel to gather via Liam Cohn. You know what? I think that might not make sense, though, because there's a good chance the Rams pick top five, maybe with the first overall pick next, next season. Year. If you look at that roster, I have them projected for that first pick at this point based like, on what the that, roster looks isn't like. That's that crazy. Insane. So, but, and, and, you know, again, we do this every year. Next year's quarterback class looks so good, but there's potential superstars at the top of that draft, a quarterback next year. And presumably, if they're picking in the top two, they would take one of those. Being and if you spot. will Levis there, that's awkward, right? Like, what do you get? You're you know, you're going to use Matthew Stafford all this year and then just turn it over to Levis and pass on one of those stars? Probably not. So I think it makes sense to address a need position, specifically on defense. 
and then uh, worry about quarterback next. So it's like one of the only good positions on the roster, right? Yeah. Is, yeah. is yeah. quarterback. I mean, so we've had this conversation. I've, I mean, I've, I'm sure we've all had it amongst friends. And like my general rule is that like no matter what it was that you did to get the ring, it was worth getting the ring. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. might be the most extreme case where like reasonable really minds yes. could debate it, right? Because <laughs> you go, you follow up your Super Bowl season with quite literally the worst record for a Super Bowl winner the following year ever. And Mike tells me that he it might be worse going forward. Like, that's crazy. It's, it's, like, the, out. it's like the opposite of the, the worst to first. It's going from first to worst to worster. Basically, yeah. the second worst year, worst like, that's cr- that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Do the Lions own their pick next year as well? Uh, I do not. No, we do not. I wish yeah. we did. I wish yeah. we did. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's the worst defense on paper that I've ever seen at this point in and the that process. Has Aaron so. And it has Aaron Donald, which is which is unbelievable. So, Man. yeah, we'll see what they do. I don't I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a quarterback draft for them. They just have too many needs. But yeah, we'll man. see what they do. All right. Well, good stuff there. Uh, I'm excited. This was actually a beefier first round with fantasy relevant players yeah. than we've had in some previous years. This is good stuff. We're going to do this again at some point next week. I don't know specifically what time or day, so make sure you check your podcast feed. But a lot of good players still left over. Will oh, Levis at the quarterback spot. There's always depth at running back that can make an impact. And there's some good wide receivers as well. Josh tight ends. Downs, yeah. Pretty yeah, tight good ends. tight end oh, class. Yeah. Too, Very yeah. good tight end class. And if there are kickers to break down, Mike Clay will have yes. them in projections. We will you pick get his punters. Brain. I'll do kickers. Uh, yes, I got right, punters. We had uh, one Jake kicker Moody. last year, right? Last year, right? I think we had one kicker. Cody last year, yeah. was it Cody Parkey? Uh, Cody no, York. No. Cody York. York. That's right. <laughs> what year is this? I was going to say. Uh, it is uh, Jake Moody. Season tomorrow, Saturday. Jake Moody from Michigan, who is just outstanding, as I'm sure everybody who listened to this podcast was hoping to get kicker analysis. There you have it. <laughs> All right, Mike and Daniel, the very best. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Be sure to download, subscribe. We'll have some video content sometime soon. For these two, I'll talk to I'm Field. We'll talk to you guys at some point next week. It's no secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you. Alliance fan through and through with the hippest beard, I'm telling you.